yeah, once that interview wrapped up, she went on to her next media engagement. The mm. PR contacts left me and I was just packing up my stuff. And immediately I thought to myself, what am I doing here? I am a fish out of water. Well, I'm, I'm a fish in a tank full of sharks. Oh, yeah. It's... Yeah, that, that's exactly how I would have felt as well. Like just going through that film that you showed me, just crazy, like the amount of people that you're surrounded by. With growing confidence. The culture master looking forward to your company through until 21st century. Wireless podcasting. The last episode we mentioned that we were going to the second annual VidCon Australia. And uh, that's come and gone. St. Patrick and I went together. What an event. It really was. Uh, it exceeded all my expectations. Last year we... Um, we didn't really know what we were doing. We didn't know what to expect. But this year, we, we went prepared and we got accommodations to stay at. Like we, Neither of us stayed too far from the convention center. But we thought that we would be a little bit more prepared this time and um, get a hotel suite that ourselves and a bunch of other creators could stay at. That way, we wouldn't have to travel far. It was I think it was about a 10-minute walk from the convention center, if that. Yeah, it was like there. three or four blocks. It wasn't very far. Yeah. This year, we did that and... It made the experience so much better, just tenfold better. Just the fact that we were within the vicinity of the convention center this year, you felt like you were never actually leaving VidCon at any given point. How did you feel? Yeah, it was fantastic. Like it was an entire weekend dedicated to hanging out with some really cool people and getting to know a little bit more about YouTube. And that was amazing. Yeah, this year's VidCon was a lot bigger as well. Like, the attendance was far higher than last time. Yeah, it was. I haven't got the exact figures, but there was like seven to 10,000 last year. No, last year was four. Four? Yeah. Really? Is, that's the, that's what you told me. Oh, okay. No, it was, it was 7,000. Last year? Yeah. 2017 was seven to 10,000. Yeah, 7,000 people showed up according to um, a press release from the government. This year or last year? Last year. No, that doesn't sound right. Let me let me just find it briefly. I, I, I had it here. Feel like you're, I feel like you might be wrong on this. Because what you quoted me was 4,000. According to a, a press release from the government, it says, last year's inaugural VidCon in Melbourne attracted more than 7,000 attendees. Okay. So it was a lot bigger than I expected. Yeah. Okay. Well, this year was bigger than that. Yeah, it was amazing. And being there with, all these amazing creators was absolutely surreal. Most of the attendees, I think, were definitely part of the old school nerd fighter group, which is this sort of self-made fandom around the Vlog Brothers. Of course, um, Hank Green is the uh, he's the former owner of VidCon, and and he started the whole thing. He's he's not in charge of it now, but he still has a significant creative hand in it. And many people are Hank Green fans and John Green fans, so there was a significant portion of them. But there was also definitely a lot of young people this year. Yeah, they they're certainly not nerd fighters by any means. Like most of the people that I ran into there, like uh, like Josh and Juby and Tim, they they're all like old school nerd fighters, and a couple of them went to like the the meet and greets because they got the community track tickets. And they got to meet Hank and all that sort of stuff. 
And yeah, the rest of the attendees were like probably about 10 years younger than us. Yeah, there was a lot more chaperoning this year as well. There was a lot of parents there that were obviously there with young kids. Yeah, I remember uh, (laughs) the Sunday morning I called my dad because it was Father's Day and uh, I was having a chat with him sort of feeling a little bit bad that I couldn't make it on Father's Day to come see him. As soon as I finished the call, there was this um, woman who must have been someone's mum. She was like, that's very good of you to do. (laughs) I've got to talk about somebody we met when we were in one of the, um, I don't know, would you call it a workshop? It was like a, yeah, it was like a podcasting workshop. A mother had very diligently come in with her 13-year-old daughter who was an aspiring podcaster. And I was very impressed by that. She she gave her all the support that she needed and she attended every event that she wanted to with her. And she's got this fantastic creative drive behind her. And I just, well done to all the parents. I think supporting your kids, like even if they don't want to become creators, just want to see their favorite creators. I think it's great. Yeah, I think the attitudes really changed from when we were growing up. My dad was very supportive in everything that I did, but like, YouTube and the online world was just so inconceivable and intangible to him that he just he couldn't understand and still kind of doesn't understand that like there are people on there that are basically like 2018's version of celebrities yeah it's a fascinating thing for me I have I still have friends who don't understand what I do friends who are my age and it's still fascinating to me because I remember when I was a teenager I thought that YouTube was probably the coolest thing ever. And it still fascinates me that there's still this interesting divide in people, but it is changing for sure. I was putting a show together with this lady at work last week and she was talking about her 11-year-old son and how he's wanted to make YouTube videos since he was like little, like little than 11. And she was like, yeah, that that's that's a good idea. But once you have an original idea for what you want to do, then we'll talk about it. Mm. And he finally came up with one, and I'm not going to say it on the podcast so no one's. Don't want to give it. away the golden ticket. No, no. But like, she was talking about like editing his videos and like filming it for him and doing all that of this stuff. That is amazing. Yeah, like the the level of support she was willing to give to her kid in this venture was amazing. I talk a lot about YouTube at work because it's sort of like. You know, I'm very tapped into that world and most of my colleagues aren't. And I, I often tell them that it's it's amazing creative outlet for their kids and they should really encourage them to, to do that if they're interested. You've got this similar sort of odds like you had back in the day when people say, oh, like, you know, my son or daughter wants to become an actor or a singer or a dancer. And you're like, well, it's one in a million, but, you know, you, you still got those parents who are going out and auditioning with their kids and, and doing things like that and taking them to film school or taking them to acting classes or whatever. With this, it's a little bit more different because with a good idea, anyone can find their audience online. And it's not just on YouTube, it's it's SoundCloud, it's Twitch, it's all these, like, how many Instagram models did we see at VidCon this year? It was craziness. Yeah, it really was. And I had this really interesting experience today, in fact, that usually when I tell people, in general, what I do, they're like, oh, really? Like, can you do that full time? And you get money for it? Like, are you sure? You know, I think it's just some elaborate joke. And today I called up somebody to help me do my taxes. And um, 
as soon as he got my name, he asked me what I do for a living and everything. And then when I told him, he was like, oh my goodness, I'm a subscriber to you. <laughs> and it was the first time ever in my life that I'd experienced that. And I was just like, this is just some random guy out of the blue that I've called up to help me do my taxes. And he got really excited, like giddy on the other end of the phone call <laughs> being like, I can't believe I've like met you. I've watched a bunch of your videos. And he started asking me about other people. He's like, oh, do you know, do you know channels like Kurtz Cassatt? Do you know channels like CGB Grey? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I've been watching them for ages. Like, yeah. It was really interesting to see somebody who was like super engaged with the YouTube online world. And uh, that was really interesting. And at this year's VidCon, I met my first fan, which was cool. I'm not a very big creator, but I have been doing this full time for a little while. And that was really interesting as well. The public's perception of what we do is is changing slowly over time. Part of me wonders if we'll ever really, truly be accepted. Well, it's steadily bled into the real world over the past maybe five years, I reckon. To the point where like it's it's really in the zeitgeist, but it still hasn't taken root. When I'm at work, it's like it's a foreign concept to a lot of people that you can make videos online and find your own following and essentially make a living off it. It's inconceivable to people in old media. Jimmy Kimmel had his mean tweets with creators last year. Oh, yeah. So I think that's one of the things where people started to realize that these people actually have personalities and they have pull power for audiences and things like that. And then and it did really well. So there's got to be some recognition, you know. There is. But also, like, it's it's hard to navigate the media machine without being inside it and knowing how it works. YouTube is sort of making it all up as you go along, realistically. Like, unless you go in there with a production budget and basically no one does that. You're just like making videos in your spare time with whatever resources you can scrape together on like a minimal or neg- no budget. Negligible budget. Yeah. The, you don't know like any hard and fast rules to it. You'll hold your lighting up with duct tape and you'll find a microphone that isn't really suited to what you're doing, but you'll make it work. And you'll find workarounds in the editing flow and... There's no hard and fast rules to it, whereas old media, it's very much, oh, you use Avid to edit all your videos. Oh, you use shotgun mics to, you know, record mm-hmm. interviews or lapel mics. Yeah. Or, you know, th- there's all these set rules to it and there's a set structure and it, it gets specific outcomes because people, you know, might not be overly proficient with what they're, they're doing. Like they're, they're very good at something, say interviewing, but they're not necessarily good at setting up a shot. So everything's very structured. Yeah. So you know what to do. Whereas YouTube, it's like, oh, I'm going to make a video about self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. Where do I begin with that? Yeah. It's really making it up as you go along, like you say. And not just in terms of like content, but also in terms of style. Because speaking to creators from the inside... You, the questions come up a few times, you know, how do you know when, when you've found your voice? How do you know when you've really nailed down your production and you're happy with what you've created? And every creator I've ever spoken to has the same answer, which is I still feel like I haven't hit my stride yet. I still feel like I'm working toward the golden nugget. I still feel like the, the thing in my head that I'm addicted to and I want to see created and I want to see out there in the world is, is never going to be what I eventually create. I'm always striving to do better. 
And it's exactly that. Like, I've been doing YouTube for a couple of years now, and I still feel like I haven't got my style sorted. I still feel like I don't really know what I'm doing. So um, it's a completely different perspective um, in terms of media creation. I think this year's VidCon, something really struck out to me in it that everyone is just people. Like, it's it's hard to kind of conceptualize that when you're watching their videos for so long and, like, you, you build up an idea of what these people are like. You know, they're, they're super talented. They know what they're doing. They must be because, like, you know, they've got seven-digit followings on YouTube and, you know, they're just people. Yeah. They're just like you and I. They they put their pants on one leg at a time like everyone else. <laughs> they do indeed. This year we did it a little bit differently. Last year we sort of, we really didn't know what to expect. We had no idea what VidCon was and how it works. We went to all of the panels. We sort of went to the creator lounge a lot and um, hung out with people there. This year we did it a bit differently because we felt like there was not that much that we could gain from it this year. The panels were fantastic from what I've heard, but we, we sort of decided to steer clear of that a little bit this year. Yeah, we arranged to meet up with people more than anything. So, you know, we got in contact with people ahead of time, people we hadn't met before in a lot of cases. And yeah, we just spent a lot of time with other creators and just like in, enjoying their company and also like, I guess, talking shop for like 72 hours. Yeah, there was a lot of shop talking. Like yeah. I actually wasn't expecting that much shop talking. To a certain extent, you sort of can expect, okay, like we're both creators, let's talk about our process and let's talk about things. But we did talk about that a significantly higher proportion than I was expecting. Um, but yeah, it was it was fantastic. We'd, we'd met people who were coming from, you know, the States and from the UK and some people who were coming from sort of the Asia Pacific region and things like that. And it was so good to meet these people and like get us all in a room. I remember the first night that we had everybody over sort of for an after VidCon gathering at our place. We sort of went around the room and everyone stood up and said their name and what they do. <laughs> and it couldn't have been more AA meeting, you know. It was just this weird thing. We were all like seen each other online before, but then now you're sitting in a room with them and you have to get to, get to know them as people. It was really interesting. Yeah, that's the weirdest part because one of the things I learned from this weekend was some people on YouTube, they have like a, a kind of put on persona to an extent. Oh, yeah. It, it never occurs to me when I'm watching a video. I'll, I'll watch a video of someone talking about their life or some kind of experience and I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's like them. That's what they're like in real life. But no, you act things up for the camera. You, you might embellish story details or you put on some kind of persona. It works well for YouTube, but it, it's not you and that kind of really stuck out to me. Yeah, I remember we happened to meet um feature history guy who happens to be an Australian creator that operates nearby where we live in um here in melbourne meeting him was really interesting because i'd been talking to him for probably over a year our channel started around the same time and we both sort of covered the same things and we were both australian and his channel is like a well-oiled machine and meeting him in person you were just like oh this this is kind of just like a kid like a goofy kid and he's like really fun and he's got personality and he likes to talk about whatever like it was very weird, interesting meshing of worlds. Like the, the Venn diagram collapsed in on itself, you know. It was just this weird thing. I want to just briefly go back to the whole shop talk thing because mm -hmm. that did not surprise me at all because that's a huge part of 
what I do at work. We all bounce ideas off each other. We have editorial meetings talking about what we're working on. You know, sometimes people ring up and, you know, sound out some ideas of what what they're working on from other offices. Mm -hmm. In the creative industries, like, there's no real hard and fast way about things. Like, there's an outcome that you're trying to achieve, but there's a million different pathways to get there. And oftentimes, that's the most valuable part of working in an office or something like that. Because you're with people, you can just bounce ideas off. Maybe two or three people we met have like worked with people on projects. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I guess the only reason I was surprised was because I'm in probably three or four different group chats with creators from all around the world. And all we talk is shop. <laughs> like I'd say it's probably 90% of what we talk about. There's some banter in there as well. But part of me thought that I was going to these places to meet the people. And I think if if the conversation could have been steered in the way that I would have had it go, it would have we would have avoided shop and sort of made it less about that and sort of just meeting people. But inevitably it comes up. So I think it was just the proportion of how much we talked about the ins and outs of YouTube and the ins and outs of video creation that had me surprised. Well, what do you talk about beyond shop? Unless you have one of those moments where it's like everyone go around the room, stand up and say your name. Like, yeah. ha- how do you start that conversation? Because the the one thing that we do have in common is that we're all content makers of some description. That's what we're most willing to share about because that's the thing that we can most relate to each other. Like a couple of people that I met over the weekend, I just had no no idea of how to approach them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see what you mean, but it, it's also like the scale of like, especially what they create and how well known they are. But going back to my example of feature history guy, like I don't think we spoke like talking about YouTube at all. We just jumped into it, just talking about whatever. And then other creators, that's all they want to talk about. They only want to talk about that stuff because it's the only thing you have in common. So it's, I think it matters like who you're talking to and their personality as well. So James, should we be uh, really obnoxious and name drop every YouTuber with a million subs? Well, I'm really jealous. You got to meet Hank Green. I did. (laughs) I couldn't be more jealous. I can't, I'm just, I want to meet him so bad. I'm still like in denial that like, is this real that I got to meet this guy that I've been watching his videos for a, a decade now? Yeah, you've been a fan a lot longer than me. Yeah, I was an early nerd fighter. You know, I, I was a big part of the nerd fighter community for a, a little while as well. And and so, like, I, I was very familiar with Hank yeah. and all of the stuff he does. But I had no idea what to say to him because, like, so I had access to the industry lounges this year, which is a bit of a game changer in that like most of the people up there, their companies have paid them to go there. In fact, I ran into one of my colleagues up Mm -hmm. in the industry lounge. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know he was going. But that means that it's very professional and it's a very professional setting and there's a lot fewer people as well because the tickets are like $800 if you don't buy them early. They're pretty expensive. Yeah. So that meant that like a lot of the higher profile people were more comfortable just hanging out in the industry lounge. So Sunday morning rolls around and, you know, on Saturday night I was sort of plotting out what I was going to do Sunday. 
and I saw this fireside chat that was at 9am and I was like, oh, mm. that's that's super early. Even though we're in the city, like, you know, we've been up late talking all about YouTube and all that and I don't know if I'm even going to make it to it. Yeah. But I drag myself out of bed and I go there and I'm like one of like two dozen people that are in the this, you know, 200 seat uh, convention room. Mm-hmm. So that meant that the fireside chat was with Jim Lauderback, the CEO of VidCon, mm-hmm. and he was interviewing Hank Green. Mm-hmm. And beforehand, like, Hank just shows up in the industry lounge. Yeah. Like, he he just, you know, he's just milling around, saying hi to people, whatever. Hanging out with the plebs. Yeah, he, he doesn't take the back roads to get there because yeah. I guess he's more comfortable in the industry lounge, which is fine. Otherwise, he'd get mobbed in the other ones, right? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, there's kind of like a receiving line to say hi to him <laughs> because like even though it is a lot more professional you know it's professional people wanting to talk to him in a professional setting yeah and i'm like at the back of it because i got there a bit late mm-hmm. and um he was he just turned to everyone when the panel was due to start and he was like i'll stick around here after and i was like yeah all right mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you will um, yeah but he did and he did and he, he stuck around for a fair amount of time. Yeah. And you joined that line. I did. Uh, once again, I was sort of at the back of the line because I don't know how to, you know, <sighs> elbow my way through. Yeah. But that that's fine. I got to overhear a lot of interesting conversations. These mm-hmm. these people are really professional. So they, they know that Hank's time is really valuable and they just want to have a brief chat to mm-hmm. sound him off about things or whatever. So it meant that I was actually able to have a chat with him so what did you say did you walk up to him and say hi i'm i'm patrick and i love your videos well i i thought in, at least introducing myself was a good way to start beyond that i had sort of no idea of what to say <laughs> like how do i relate to this guy how do i have a conversation with him because i had no plan on what to say i just wanted to say hi and maybe grab a selfie and i didn't want to seem like just a, a rabid fan <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think it's like you got to walk that line very carefully. You got to tread it very carefully. Yeah. And I think I made a good impression with the guy before who was talking to him because he was like some like senior ad executive from Nielsen, Mm. like the the old school ratings company. And they're having this discussion about, oh, why don't, why isn't there a TV show about advertising and like deconstructing ads and like, finding out why they work and what's behind it. Right. And like I just piped up uh, and said, you know that there's a TV show on Australian TV that's been doing that for a decade. It's called Gruen. And I kid you not, at the exact same time, they pulled out both their phones and wrote that down. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it was a good way to introduce myself. And then, like, you know, after I said hi and shook hands and whatever, um, I, I thought I'd at least say something about the convention because, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm extremely grateful to Hank for putting this whole thing together. Right. Like, he's built this amazing video community. And yeah, so, from the ground up. And there's people who don't even know who he is. No. That's how big it is. Yeah, so I had to thank him for putting it all together. And then the other thing that... I, I was sort of curious about that just sort of came to me at the at the time was, hang on, I should really ask him this. Why did you pick Melbourne for VidCon Australia? Great question, because a lot of people would immediately go to Sydney. Yeah, that's right. 
And that's what he he said. You know, he said, oh, we thought of, you know, a couple of cities that could be up to hosting this convention. And, you know, one of them was Sydney, one of them was Melbourne. The thing with these large-scale conventions is that they often have discussions with, like, the, the state governments to say, okay, we want to bring this convention to Australia or, like, Asia-Pacific. How can you help us to make a really nice convention? Right. And so a lot of, like, the more friendly governments, you know, it, it's like sporting in America. You know, a lot of the governments will provide incentives. Yeah, to who's going to give you the best deal? Yeah, so he he mentioned that you know some places give you discounted convention halls. Yeah, some places offer like extra little things to help the convention run a bit. Help better. with advertising or help with transport or something like that. Yeah, and the one thing that he did single out to me was that um, Tourism Victoria offered all of these free tours for the featured creators. Oh yeah, that combined with he mentioned but didn't say whether there was a, a discount to the convention hall as well as like the the creative scene in melbourne were, were the deciding factors yeah it's definitely like a very very microcosm of the creative community in in australia like melbourne's a very artsy place with lots of musicians lots of comedians lots of filmmakers and things like that so it makes sense sense from that standpoint but Sydney itself has also got a huge artistic um, culture. So, But I, I think choosing Melbourne's probably the best bet. I think it was a very good idea for them to choose Melbourne. I agree, but I may also be a bit biased. I might be a bit biased as well. <laughs> Sydney's also a little bit harder to get around. It is. And also, like, sure, they have a, a good arts community, but they're not as big in the online space. Like, we met someone who's living in Sydney at the moment, and he said that, like, there, there's no one there. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know any other YouTubers there. And, he, you know, he's a guy who would meet up with other YouTubers. Yeah. But there's just no one. Yeah, Sydney's Australia's cultural capital, but it doesn't go much beyond that because it's it's no longer the fastest growing city in Australia anymore. The education sector has boomed down here in Victoria and down here in Melbourne in particular. So there's a lot more going on here in terms of that. Like, we've got comedy festivals and we've got amazing film schools down here and things like that it's quite an amazing place for upstarts in a lot of creative industries even just walking down the street to work today i noticed like people were painting a mural on the wall of melbourne central yeah it's it's everywhere man so why did you get into the uh, instagram lounge to begin with well being part of the media means that you generally apply for media accreditation at events you're going to Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's always just a stab in the dark. You might be able to do some coverage from it. You might not. But you still do anyway because you never know what's going to happen. I applied for media accreditation because I was like, okay, that'll just get me a cool little badge that's, you know, a nice bit of kudos or whatever. And then I got an email a week out of VidCon that said, this will get you into the industry area. Also, would you like an interview with Hannah Hart? Yes, I would. (laughs) Uh, How do you say no to that? Exactly. I mean, neither of us are fans of Hannah Hart. Like, neither of us watch her videos. And to a large extent, she's not not that prolific on YouTube anymore. She was was quite big back in the day. Still, you can't turn that down. No, I mean, I haven't seen a single video of Hannah's, but I know her by (laughs) reputation. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to leave it at, at we're not fans of Hannah Hart, but if you want to say that, that's fine. No, no, I'm, I'm totally fine with that because like often through work, like I'll have to be thrown into situations where I have no idea what I'm doing. And, you know, they, they just offered me one of the featured creators whom I'd never seen their stuff before. And I'm like, right. All right. So it was scheduled for like midday on the Saturday. So I basically built that entire day around this interview because I was like, well, you know, that's that's going to be the, the highest point of the convention for me. Yeah. And never mind that Sunday morning I met Hank again. Yeah. Just flexing on you all when did you When did you meet Auntie Donna? What day was that? Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. There's, okay. there's a few other name drops. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, jump the gun. There's like a, a backstage area where all of the cool kids hang out. Uh, you might know it if you've watched any of uh, Tana Mongoose's videos. Oh, yeah. 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 I watch her stuff all the time. Of course. So, it's it's very strictly policed. And it was just as strictly policed here in Australia as it was at Anaheim. Like, I went there for my appointed interview session and, like, you know, the, the guard that was at, like, the outer, outer area to get into this was like, no, we can't let you in. I was like, that's okay, I'll call the um, the PR contact and they'll escort me in. He was like, yeah, do that. So I did. And then there was another group of guards like 10 meters on that were like, no, we can't let you in and they can't escort you in either. Oh my goodness. You need someone from VidCon like with a, with a black badge that's like oh, you know, top tier kind of escorting to escort you in. Yeah. And I think that's great because these areas need to be well protected and for good reason. Yeah, obviously these are very successful people, and they'll have you know there's thousands of fans out there who would do anything to meet them. So we get through all of that like security stuff, and I eventually get escorted in by two different people. <laughs> Unbelievable. And uh, I, I walk into this Instagram lounge that I've only ever seen on vlogs of people from like last year's VidCon. And it's this lavishly decorated room. It's filled with all these beautiful lights and plasma screens with really trendy videos. Something straight out of Hollywood. It really is. It's like you're going to, I don't know, like Google's headquarters yeah. and hanging out there for a while. Yeah. And so I had my game face on. You know, this is an interview that I've got to do. I've got I've got something to do and this is why I'm here. So I'm shown to where Hannah is. She's just like sitting at a um, at a table talking to some people and you know, we say hi, blah blah blah. And then I go and get my equipment set up in a in a corner sort of away from some of the noise. And yeah, I get stuck into the interview and ask her some questions about her work, her activity as a LGBT activist and all this sort of stuff. And it goes pretty well. You know, it's not a hard-hitting political interview or anything like that. So, Bit of a fluff piece. Yeah, well, I tried to throw in some really good questions there talking about like, you know, is is it possible in 2018 to kind of get yourself out there? You know, can you, can you become a successful YouTuber in 2018 from a standing start? Yeah. And so we managed to cover a lot of topics and like I thought I was taking up a lot of her time. Okay. So like during the interview, like it felt like it was taking ages. How long did it actually go for? It went for 12 minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was like double that because 
like the entire time I'm just so focused on what she's saying so I can like throw a follow-up question that's relevant yeah. so I can appear engaged and all that stuff. Yeah, once that interview wrapped up, she went on to her next media engagement. The mm-hmm. PR contacts left me and I was just packing up my stuff and immediately I thought to myself, what am I doing here? I am a fish out of water. Well, I'm, I'm a fish in a tank full of sharks. Oh, yeah. It's... Yeah, that, that's exactly how I would have felt as well. Like just going through that film that you showed me just crazy like the amount of people that you're surrounded by and these were people that i didn't recognize at all but each and every one of them had some large large following on whatever social media platform they're on yeah we live in the world where like you can be a massive online creator and still have nobody know who you are yeah well i remember like once i got out of there I was importing the footage onto my laptop so I'd have a backup of it because it was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of important footage. And you pointed out to me that, like, I just brushed past the odd ones out. Yeah, you just, like, walked right by him. He's just casually hanging out. Yeah. And that's a creator with, like, he's bordering on, like, 10 million subscribers. He's huge. He really is. He's probably the biggest uh, YouTube audience of anyone that was at the convention. And, like, it didn't occur to me that that was him. Liza Kosher would have definitely drawn a larger audience, but like uh, James from The Odd Ones Out, he he dominated YouTube, like probably in 2016 and 17. He was the fastest growing creator for many months. He was, he was, he's a massive online creator. And uh, yeah, you rub shoulders with him for two seconds. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Without even realizing it. I did get to meet him last year. He's a really nice guy. We, we bonded over the fact that we had the same name. But uh, that was about it, and I got a selfie, and I thought that was like the highlight of my experience. But yeah, it was. It's, it's just fascinating, like seeing these like very, very, very successful creators just hanging out with uh, with their fancy Instagram lounges. So you've got to become a speaker at next year's convention so you can get back there. Yeah, be, like a bunch of the creators that I was with this year were all debating it. We were like, "What do we have to do?" Like. What exactly do you have to do to get the, the backstage pass? We're like, oh, well, the lowest thing you can do is become a speaker because you can still be a massive creator and not get anything, no recognition at all. doesn't matter who you know. And um, I wouldn't be close to that idea at all, like just becoming a speaker or something. But in general, like I would, I would just rather have the all-access pass and just not have to do anything. Oh, absolutely. That's, I, that's the dream. I just don't think I'm a very interesting person. Like I've got nothing interesting to talk about. And that's the main concern. Like, I'd be up there and be like, "Uh, I don't know why you guys have me here. I don't know about that. We went to that podcasting networking session and everyone there had their own podcast to talk about and wanted to know all about it. But, like, there there wasn't anyone who was, like, a a standout personality. And I should also point out that um, Taku, who hosted it, she didn't even have a speaker's tag. She didn't even have a speaker tag. No. Oh my goodness. What what was her like pass that she got? Uh, it was a little blue industry one. Oh my goodness. That's telling. That's yeah. quite telling. They they really keep a tight hold on these passes. Very interesting. Maybe last year because last year was a little bit easier. I reckon. Yeah, potentially. Money goes up from here. So overall, do you think this was a better experience? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed myself thoroughly. But I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we we knew we were meeting up with people ahead of time. Getting there last year was just myself and you. 
we had no idea who was going to be there. Like even some creators who we did watch were going to be there, but we just had no way of contacting them. This year we had spoken to people and said that, yeah, we're going to meet up with some people. We're going to have some gatherings and things like that. And it made all the difference. In terms of the quality of the convention itself, I'd say it was probably on par with last year. The main convention hall, for some reason, was a bit smaller and a little bit more sparse than last year, but that was probably the only thing I noticed. I did notice that because we had creator passes, we don't get access to the meet and greet stuff, only the community track does, and I noticed that that was in a separate hall. Last year, it was all in one hall. It was like the same size as the convention floor. Okay, that makes more sense then. Yeah, because like that's got nothing to do with this. It, it never even occurred to us to go there. So um, how did you feel about it on the whole? Yeah, it was, it was much better because we just got so much more value out of it because we know how to do that. Last year was like an awakening for me. We, we spoke about like post VidCon Blues mm. last year, like coming out of that and just realizing like, I have to do this. I have to be a creator. I have to be a creator full time. This year was more like, okay, I've been a creator for now. I think I've been full-time for probably about seven months now. And now I'm sort of rubbing shoulders with people who are the same as me. So it was different in that regard, personally speaking, anyway. It was it was a different experience. Like It, it felt like I was immersed in a world that I sort of belonged to. And I didn't get that sort of post-VidCon blues because I was like, I know I'm going to do this again. I know I could potentially do this maybe a couple times a year because, of course, there are VidCons in other parts of the world and people do travel from far away to go to these events. There's one in Anaheim and, of course, there's the one in London. It's completely different experience to my first VidCon. Something that really intrigues me is how this VidCon would compare to the rest of the world. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know. Yeah, I know, I know some friends that have been to the American one. They mostly went for the community stuff, but... I've heard it's a completely different ball game. It would be. Like, here we have 7,000 people. In Anaheim, it's 40,000, and it's the biggest convention in that convention center. Yeah. There's a huge difference in scale there. Also, the kind of people that you'll meet will probably be vastly different as well. Yeah, only a handful of people came out from America and overseas for this. Definitely more than last year. Oh, yeah. But still, like, in, in the States, it's the event for for youtubers it's the event and um yeah it attracts all kinds of people it becomes a sort of microcosm for the online world from anything from youtube and twitch to instagram and you know music creators on soundcloud and and spotify and things like that it's just it's a huge online convention so will we see you at next year's vidcon yeah well i've got plans to go to next vidcon definitely See y'all in London. That's how, they, that's how they speak in London, right? Yes. See you all in London. See y'all in London. Nah, I'll, I'll definitely be at um, London next year. I'm going to do everything in my power to, to make it to that event. Far out. That's a bold step. Yeah. A bold step across two ponds. Oh, one pond. One pond? Yeah, I guess it depends which way you go. <laughs> <laughs> but the earth is flat, so it doesn't matter. <laughs>